When you're working with animals, it's just a fact that you'll come across some funky smells. That's why we always have First Saturday Lime on hand. It is our favorite product to keep the stink and bugs under control. First Saturday Lime is safer and stronger than diatomaceous earth. It's 100% non-toxic, 100% non-flammable, and has zero health hazards. It is safe because it's insoluble and will not react with skin or moisture. First Saturday Lime has taken extra lengthy steps to make their formula fine so it's easier to use and more effective. Stock up on First Saturday Lime by going to firstsaturdaylime.com and using code DRINKINFARM to get 20% off and free shipping. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. Are you drinking booze this morning? That looks like a booze vessel. So it is a booze vessel, but I put coffee in it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, it would have been no judgment here, none at all, but... Yeah, it, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It's a little early right now, <laughs> but it could have been like, I don't know, a mimosa or something. Oh, that would have been delicious. Yeah, no, I just, I wanted to make sure that my coffee stayed warm. While we recorded, so I put it in my fun little, I have like a Yeti, like an actual Yeti wine tumbler. Our financial advisor gave them to us for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, wow. That is an extremely nice gift. It is. It really is a nice gift. (laughs) So I was like, well, I should start using this. I have a coffee warmer on my desk, but it makes noise when I take the cup on and off of it while we're recording. So I thought this could help save that it's a little more podcast friendly yes it is oh the coffee i'm drinking though it is kind of special so ancient valley mercantile it's the place that's in town that i get my coffee from they started creating a costa rica blend and i was so excited because you know that i order coffee from costa rica all the time and it is just as good as the coffee that we order from Costa Rica. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. So I'm really excited about that because I can pick up my Costa Rica blend here locally now, which is great. (laughs) Yes, I love that because you're still supporting like good coffee, but also somebody local. So it's like win-win. (laughs) Win-win. So what are you drinking over there? So I'm a weirdo today or at least I feel like a weirdo but maybe some people think this is normal I am drinking it out of our review mug just so people can keep seeing how awesome this is and remember to leave us a review over on apple Podcasts or by leaving us a voicemail if you haven't yet I'm just drinking chicken bone broth this morning because oh. <laughs> I was like I already it sounds warm yeah I was like well okay so we had more snow this morning Prior to that, it was like, it was two days ago. It was like almost 40 degrees. So everything like melted. And then the next day it was cold. So everything froze. And now we have snow over everything. So you can't see where the ice is. And I took a big fall on my ass this morning. And like, luckily, like I have a pretty big butt. So, you know, there's a lot of cushion there, but like the back of my leg hurts and my pants. I actually wore jeans because I was like, I'm going to be an adult today and wear jeans. And then those were just soaked. And I'm like, 
Happy oh. Friday. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my so gosh. I needed something warm once I was kind of over coffee for the day. <laughs> so I wouldn't end up, like, being a jittery mess. So That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So bone broth, because it's low calorie and good for you. Yeah, and warm. <laughs> and warm. And it does make me happy. <laughs> yeah. Our drink feed this episode is our friend Jenny Beck, and she is at Beck's Boots to Roots over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. So before we dive into today's episode topic, we are going to open our Henny and Rue boxes. Yes, we are. Yes. And we will... Let me get mine off the ground. We will also provide a sneak peek of two items for the March box, and I'm super excited about those both. So... Mm-hmm. I am too. Those are pretty fantastic. <laughs> yes. So Bev, what was your favorite thing in this month's box? So my favorite thing was this really cool whisk. Yeah, <laughs> it is really cool. Like I didn't take mine out yet. I guess I could. Ta-da. That was probably loud. I'm sorry. But yeah, no, it's so unique. I don't have one like this. Yeah, I don't either. But it's like the perfect size for just like smaller things. And I'm actually always mixing smaller things in my kitchen. So I like it. It's fun. It's a cool shape. It's not overkill. It's not the big whisk where you're like whisking together 30 eggs. Yeah. No, this is like one to two to three appropriate. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It's perfect. And it feels like a fairy godmother wand. <laughs> <laughs> So what was your favorite thing out of the box? So my favorite thing, because I never have enough kitchen towels, or I probably do, but I feel like I don't. We got this super cute Rise and Shine Mother Cluckers with a rooster on it towel. And I really like it, that it's like kind of like a distressed look. And it's black because a lot of my tea towel type things are white and they get so dirty and nasty looking so fast. So I appreciate that the nasty can be hidden with the black black dishcloth for once <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say I was really excited about the color too because I got some really beautiful white dish towels for Christmas and my son used one of them to wipe up chili oil oh no <laughs> so there's like a big red stain on one of them already and I was so sad I was like can't you tell that those are like pretty dishcloths we've got like he's a boy. garbage ones all over the place I know. he's a boy he's a teenage boy yes <laughs> so he's still learning so it's not really his fault i know but i was so sad i would run sad too because <laughs> i don't own very many nice things so yeah same <laughs> so it's like you should have like hid those in a different cabinet and like locked them away and never used them <laughs> Well, they were hanging to look pretty in the kitchen. Oh, oh. you need to like put a little post-it note over them saying "Do not use." Mm, not, not for using. Display only. Yes. <laughs> Another cool thing that we got that was in the box is a uh, rubber spatula. Yes. So these are awesome. You can't have too many of these in your kitchen. Personally, I have several and I am always reaching for one when I'm baking. And I really like that it says easily excited by eggs on the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I know sometimes with these, you can't see it. Oh, yeah. Somebody can see it on one of our screens, I'm sure. Yeah. But 
The other thing I was like, oh gosh, this is really nice, but is it heat proof? And it actually says it right on the card that it's heat proof. Oh, good. Yes, because sometimes with spatulas, it can be a little dicey. So you got to watch it. But yes, these are heat proof. And there's that tapered edge and it's flexible. So it's good for like sliding under omelets or if you're doing like sunny side up or something. So this will get used probably like every day. Yeah. And having more rubber kitchen tools is really great because if you have really nice pans, metal pans, you don't want to use metal utensils on them because it scratches them all up. And then even if they're like stainless steel, so they don't have like a coating on them, the scratching up makes things stick to them again, even if you've like seasoned them really well. So yeah, that's a good thing to point out because like I last year bought all new kitchen utensils and then realized that most of them were metal and I can't really use them. <laughs> so I also have some wood ones. <laughs> yep. My metal utensils are for my cast iron. Yep. Yeah. So what else did we get this time? We got all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, so these are always handy, especially since chick season is coming. Um, the save a chick electrolytes. You can use these for birds of all ages. Hot weather, cold weather, stress. Your chicks just showed up. They had a long journey. Put this mm-hmm. in their water. It's great for them always just have these handy in case somebody's looking a little dumpy. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, this is something that's always in my chicken first aid kit because I never know when I need it. It does a great job of kind of giving energy to a chick or a chicken that's moving a little slow. So you can maybe, you know, help them get over that hump. Yeah. And it's really fun to get the chicks all hyped up on that because then they just like zoom around the brooder for a while because they have like a sugar rush, essentially. Yep. (laughs) They're like, wee, wee. <laughs> we got some treats also. One of them is this flock frenzy chickorama. Corn is great to give to your chickens this time of year. Gives them energy and keeps them warm, especially when it's freezing in the coop at night. Yes. And then we also got grubettes. Yummy, yummy snack for them too. Maybe I'll mix those two together. So they can have a really special treat. Mmm. Sounds healthy. And we got a bag of Epsom salts. Yay! Which is great for soaking your chickens. Bumblefoot. Or yourself. Yeah, or yourself. (laughs) Bumblefoot or egg bound or anything in the vent area. Giving your chicken like a good soak in Epsom salt can help them. But yeah, I use Epsom salt in my bubble bath. I'll probably use this on myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that I've used it on myself from something we got in this box. But it is super handy to keep a bag or two for your chickens specifically because you just never know. Yeah, and they don't need all the flavors or scents. That's what I was looking for. (laughs) Yes. All right. So the other thing we wanted to cover with this was that there are two sneak peeks for the March box. And the first one I'm pretty excited about. It's a cookbook by Jennifer Trainer Thompson called The Fresh Egg Cookbook. So oh, yum. With the sun starting to come back into our lives for longer periods of time, I'm going to be up to my neck in eggs before I know it. Right now, not so much. <laughs> like, I barely even go look. I was going to say, I'm actually up to my neck in eggs. <laughs> really? 
Yeah. Oh, man. I am not. But I also haven't looked in a little bit because for a while there, it was like I was getting nothing. But before we know it, you know, and, and if you're getting new egg layers, you know, you're going to have eggs out your wazoo soon, too. I'm excited to have an, like an egg focused cookbook because I don't always know what to do with them all mm-hmm. without getting sick of just like hard boiling or scrambling or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can only bake so much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're also going to get a two-pound bag of flock party sunflower and raisin mix, and two pounds is a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a heavy box, I feel. (laughs) Yep, and a book and two pounds of treats. Yes, and five other items. So if you haven't signed up for the Henny and Rue box yet, you'll want to go to hennyandrue.com. And if you use code DRINKANDFARM you will get 10% off your first box. I'm super excited for today's episode because we've taken a little break from our historical items since the holiday season. And I was just kind of curious because we haven't talked about this yet. Today we're going to talk about why the heck barns are painted red. Yeah, I'm super excited for this episode too because I always think it's neat to put like historical context to things that we do today because sometimes we don't know why we do things. They just are. (laughs) Right. Right. So there are a few urban legends that attempt to answer the question. And one of those is that barns are painted red to help lost cows find their way home. But cows are actually colorblind to colors red and green. So that (laughs) would not help. (laughs) well darn it darn it yes and i think they would get confused like if you're in a super rural area and there's like multiple barns and they're all red i don't see how that would help (laughs) are you my mother is that my barn (laughs) but really the overall answer is that it's cheap red paint is really cheap and it was really cheap back in the day when barns started being painted red too (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep One of the other reasons that barns are just painted, period, is because paint also protects the wood, so it lasts longer. So that is why they are painted in general, and then the red part is just because it's cheap. Yeah, and I can attest to that. I have two goat shelters that are not painted, and the weather has really taken its toll on the wood. But if you find yourself in that situation, it's not too late to paint them. And still get more longevity out of them. And in fact, like, we're in the process of repainting our chicken coop because it's looking a little worse for wear and some, like, pieces of wood are starting to flake off of it. But painting it um, will help it last a little longer so we don't have to replace it as soon. Like, what things you do usually end up having to replace them eventually, but paint, like, really adds some longevity to your buildings, like, by a lot, because there's clearly some barns that have been standing since like the 1800s and their wood. (laughs) Yeah. So during the 1700s and early 1800s, barns on family farms in the Northeast were typically covered with thick vertical boards and they, you know, were typically left unpainted and it would have that same problem where they slowly weather and they start turning this brownish gray color. But after the mid-1800s to improve the efficiency of their barns by reducing drafts to keep their animals warm, 
and cozy in the winter, many farmers tightened up their barns by having wooden clapboards horizontally nailed to the outside of the barn. Oh. Yes. These clapboards were sawed quite thin, so painting them provided needed protection and dressed up the appearance of the barns as well. So they got a little fancy facelift. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And in the 1800s, it was common for people to actually make their own paints by mixing pigments with linseed oil made from flax seeds and other ingredients like skimmed milk, lime, and red iron oxide, giving them a rusty, burnt orange red color. And they were available in various hues, but the tint we see most often on older American barns was called Venetian red. Sounds so fancy. It does. According to the 1884 edition of Everybody's Paint Book by F.B. Gardner, Venetian red was suitable for any common work or for brickwork or outbuildings. And this red pigment penetrated well into the wooden barn boards and resisted fading when exposed to sunlight so it could age gracefully for generations. So it's not just that it was cheap. I mean, it's a bonus that it's cheap, but there was also (laughs) some other strategy going on there too, it sounds like. Yeah. And you might be wondering why it's called Venetian red when it's used on American barns. And it got its name because historically this pigment was produced from natural clays that were found near Venice, Italy. So the clays contained an iron oxide compound that produced this red color. But as people found similar iron oxide deposits in many other places, Venetian red just became a generic term for a light red pigment that didn't have any purplish tinge. And by the 1920s, such earth pigments, as they were called, They were used to make red paints. They were being dug in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Alabama, California, Iowa, and Vermont. So they found these iron oxides here in the States. And wealthy farmers actually added blood from a recent (laughs) slaughter to the oil mixture. And as the paint dried, it turned from bright red to darker burnt red. So if you're seeing some variation... And barn red color. That might be because there's blood in it. Oh my god, that is so dark. So hold on. Yeah. Imagine for a second you're a cow, <laughs> and your buddy just like disappeared, and then suddenly his blood was all over your home. Well, you can't see red, so you wouldn't <laughs> oh, that's even right. know, I guess. But I wonder if they can like smell it. I yeah, I was thinking they could smell it or like sense it. I don't know because it seems weird, but like blood is one of those things. I feel like you can feel when it's around like I don't really know how to describe it like you know what I mean do you have like a spidey sense like yeah I feel like I have like blood spidey sense probably because (laughs) it has it does have a very distinctive smell I think yeah it's like metallic yeah it's a very metallic smell and I'm really sensitive to scents or smells so that might be why that idea just freaks me out a little bit (laughs) Well, in a not-so-creepy note, farmers might have also added ferrous oxide, otherwise known as rust, to the oil mixture. Rust was, and still probably is, pretty plentiful on a lot of farms. And it's basically a poison to many fungi, including mold and moss, which were known to grow grow on barns. So these fungi would trap moisture in the wood, and they would obviously speed up the decay process so by adding rust into the oil mixture kind of takes care of that problem yeah that's really interesting 
And by the late 1800s, in addition to red, it became fashionable to paint barns with other color schemes, especially those that were designed to complement the architectural styles and color schemes of the owner's houses. So barns weren't just red anymore by that point. Yeah, they might be yellow or green or brown. And then you probably also have seen a lot of white barns in houses. But the white paint was definitely pricier. So that might have been another sign of wealth. A little less dark-sided than, you know, slaughtered animal blood being mixed in. <laughs> but, you know, that was an option to show maybe that to kind of throw your money around a little bit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but the red paint remained popular on many farms because it was more affordable. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which totally makes sense. I mean, when you're painting a ton of buildings, you want to go with what's economical. Yeah. yeah or painting a sure. really big building. Like, think about how big some of these barns are. Like, they're huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mine's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 1922, the Sears Roebuck catalog offered red barn paint for just $1.43 per a gallon, but other colors of house paints were $2.25 per a gallon, which is like nearly twice as much. Well, not really. It's just like a dollar more, not quite a dollar more. Their math's a little off. (laughs) It compounds when you need gallons upon gallons upon gallons. It's like filling up your gas tank. Yeah, I was gonna say, I use two gallons of paint to paint like a regular size room. So, you know, do the math on how big a barn would be. And you usually want a second coat. So, yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Another reason red was so popular outside of the cheapness was because of the darkness in the color. And this could actually help control temperature. Because red absorbed more of the sun's rays than bare wood and kept the inside of the barn warmer during the winter months. Oh, that might explain why my neighbor's barn is black. There are two old wooden barns really close by me and they're black with red roofs. (laughs) Ooh, interesting. Today, many modern barns don't resemble classic versions whatsoever. And I have an example of that on my farm. (laughs) Very large barns that hold hundreds of cows or pigs kind of end up looking more like plane hangers or warehouses. And they are probably built out of metal. That is what my barn is made out of. But the tradition of painting smaller barns red continues. And it continues so strongly that the U.S. Postal Service now celebrates them on postage stamps. I mean, that marketing ploy totally works for me. (laughs) Well, it's very quintessential, right? Like when you're thinking about it, when you're thinking of rural areas, like what's one of the first pieces of imagery that comes to your mind? It's... Probably a big, older red barn, like really similar to the barn that you have on your farm. We only want the best for our flocks, and that's why we are thrilled to be partnering with Grubly Farms Grublies, an all-natural snack that provides the nutrients and minerals for happier, healthier chickens. Grublies are safely and sustainably harvest in the United States at FDA-approved grub farms to ensure the highest levels of food safety and quality for our feathered families. When you spoil your flock with grublies, you're providing a safe and sustainable protein that's healthy for the environment as it is for your chickens. Grubbly Farms grubs recycle food waste into organic compost. How awesome is that? So awesome. So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKINFARM to get 20% off your first order. 
All right. So that concluded our talk about barns and the color red, (laughs) specifically. Blood red. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So make sure you leave us a review if you haven't already. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you can do that over on Apple Podcast, or you can call and leave us a voicemail with a review because we're going to take the review submissions we have for that month this month of February specifically and draw a name out of a hat and that person will win this exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. And if you can't see it, it says, I drank, I farmed, I gave zero clucks. So very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we redesign that mug every now and then. So if you want that one, well, I suggest you get on it. <laughs> yeah. And make sure you leave us an like an Instagram handle or something in the review so we can find you. And make sure that when we ask for your address, it's kind of matching up. But yeah, no review for this week. Oh, So that means your chances are pretty good. We just have one more episode for this month that we'll be reading out on. So yeah, go get on it if you haven't already. Yeah, for sure. So just a little bit of housekeeping and announcements before we go. Do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram in your stories and tag us at Drink and Farm. We will send you a promo code just for that episode that will give you a percentage off in our merch shop. And you want that. I'm wearing the January shirt of the month. I probably should have worn the February today. I have the February. Oh, you have the February on. There we go. See? January, February. You can't get January anymore, but maybe we'll bring it back for Christmas or something or Christmas in July. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. And make sure you take a look at the show notes, because if you do that, you're going to find links to the three sources that we referenced today for our Red Barn Talk, a survey where you can anonymously tell us how we're doing, and then also links to social media and merch and all that fun stuff. So that's it. That is it for today. Woohoo. We hope you enjoyed a little bit of, you know, agriculture history on this fine day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And until next time, drink farm and give zero clucks bye now bye we drink things we farm things we drink and farm if you're looking for a way to support the podcast, check out patreon.com slash drink and farm. We have multiple levels of support you can sign up for starting at just $2 a month. And at that level, you'll get access to our outtakes and some other fun extras on the Patreon app. We have other levels, too, that allow you to get a little something else out of the deal. We just launched a new series called Straight No Chaser for our listeners at the $5 level. So this content is only available on Patreon to patrons at the $5 level or above. We also have levels that include gifts, stickers, discount codes, and t-shirts. So go to patreon.com slash drink and farm for more details.